Welcome to the Anonymous Andrew Podcast. Life and the choices we make. The choices other people make. Why we choose to ignore the red flags. Red flags like gaslighting, cheating, addiction, mental illness, and much more. What role do they play in relationships? Follow me each week as we discuss these topics with anonymous guests and experts to hopefully become better humans, resulting in better choices. Like I say, been there, still doing that. Now on to the show. Anonymous Andrew here, just with a quick um, prelogue to the show. Um, this guest that I'm going to have on now, I just wanted to give you a little bit of a history about how I found him. Um, I reached out on Facebook, um, as I had mentioned before, there's a couple of podcast groups that you can um, find guests or be a guest. And I came across a gentleman who actually reached out to me. And um, at first, he presented himself um, in the career that he's currently working in. And it looked interesting, but it was not the topic that I was looking for. Obviously, I'm looking for relationship issues. Um, and so when I wrote him back, I, I said, no, th that's not what my, ep my podcast is about. And he wrote back and he said, oh, not to worry. Boy, do I have things that I want to share with you. And that caught my attention. And I, so we set up a, a pre-Zoom chat and, you know, within five minutes, I knew that I, I needed to have this gentleman on. So, um, I'm not going to tell you much about him in the opening here. I'm just going to go right into the podcast, episode number 17, and I'll let the gentleman and his story unfold. I found it extremely fascinating. And um, once again, my shift, my thinking has shifted. Um, I am growing, folks, through this podcast. I am learning so much about what happened over the past three years. So anyway, just wanted to give you a little bit of a, a heads up on that and just tell you with it, a little bit of history of how I found this gentleman. So let's get on to the show. Okay, everybody, another episode of Anonymous Andrew podcast, Life and the Choices We Make. And once again, I have another special episode for you. This one is going to be a very interesting one. I have run into a gentleman by the name of Sam Knickerbocker, and he is America's legacy expert. And I am not sure what that means. So I'm going to ask Sam to introduce himself and tell, tell us what that means and why he's on my show today. Sam? <laughs> hey, there you go. That, that's perfect, Andrew. And uh, thank you. The, the reason, short answer is I, I saw one of your posts about relationships and about kind of addressing how how do you uh, deal with understanding or knowing when you're in a in a relationship that maybe is unhealthy uh, and then how do you get out of that how do you uh it seemed like from your post that you personally are maybe seeking a more fulfilling and loving relationship yeah and Recently, it's been kind of a calling, I guess, that I've received. I, I, I felt more inspired in the last month and a half than ever uh, to start sharing more of my 
history and my stories with people. Uh, there's certain ways that I think about in life and think about life in general that I think come naturally. And, and really it's the years of years of conditioning and training myself. But at this point they seem natural. And then when I run into other people who haven't experienced my thought processes, then they're extremely grateful. They feel like I've changed their life by sharing it. And they're in awe and they're like, why aren't you sharing this with, with more people? I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't think that there's anything special about the way that I think, um, but others do. So in the last month or so, I've started being more aware of people who might be able to benefit from my thoughts. And if I can serve in any way possible, that's why I'm on your show. So, right. so I reached out because I had a feeling that I could serve. And so that's why I'm here. If I can, great. If you're listening and you're like, this guy's full of crap, he's not <laughs> helping me at all, then just turn it off, right? That's simple. Right. Um, you know where the end button is. But for me, um, let's get down into some of my core beliefs. And I think what will happen is, as you start to see inside my mind and my core beliefs and what, how I operate and why I operate, then that'll really paint a picture of getting into how do you deal with a narcissist? How do you deal with somebody who's gaslighting you? How do you deal with an unhealthy relationship? How do you recognize an unhealthy relationship? Um, and I'm going to bring in a few different stories of uh, both my, my past and um, while I was dating my wife and kind of where we've gotten to now, um, because I think it's important to have a full disclosure and, and full conversation. So let's start with America's legacy expert, just to kind of understand that that's where it all starts for me. I have a deep belief and core belief, uh, first that we're, we are all worth being remembered that each one of us has unique blessings and, and gifts and, uh, traits, character traits that, we were blessed with and that we uniquely can bring to the world. And I believe that each of us uh, in our full best power and self would, would bring those out of love and joy and happiness to the world. And then sometimes due to circumstances, we get a little bit bitter. We have some rejection. We have some fallback and we start to, you know, bury those because we don't want to get hurt. They're the things that are most precious to us. We know they're true about ourselves, but oftentimes the people around us don't recognize our uniqueness and what we are as greatness. And so then we start to bury those inside of ourselves. And then when we do open up and share those with somebody and they take that, that unique gift and part of ourselves and they turn it against us, it's hurtful. And so it's something that we try and hide, which I completely understand. And I've been through that. And also I believe that true love for somebody else starts with true love for yourself. Okay, so I believe we're worth being remembered. I also believe that you can only love somebody else to the extent that you love yourself. There, you cannot love another person more than you love yourself. You cannot respect another person more than you respect yourself. You cannot have internal self-confidence more than you believe that and are willing to let somebody else have that internal self-confidence. And that's a hard balance because that means that we have to oftentimes give ourselves more grace. And as we give ourselves more grace, it's easier to give other people grace. But when we're judging aspects of our own self, because of information we were told by others, narcissists who told us that, you know, we were bad and wrong for being us and that we existed to serve them. Right. Okay? Gaslighting that us being who we are, every, everything in, in that could go wrong in a relationship is because of us. Uh, that's just not true, but 
what's a more compassionate way of looking at it? Think about how much pain that person must be in. What was their childhood? What was their experiences that led them to become who they were? I don't think that babies are born narcissists. I think that babies are born and as a result of their birth and their circumstances, they're raised from a state of protection. So this, um, so that's my, uh, go, go for it. You have something to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you just hit on a um, topic that I just came across last week and I did an intro to it. Hurt people hurt people, mm -hmm. right? So people, so this is basically what you're saying. We're not born, not us, but who, the narcissists or people who turn out to be gaslighters and cheaters and, and not good partners in relationships, they're, they're not born that way. But maybe during their childhood or, or their former years prior to adulthood, they were hurt badly or they went through some trauma. Is, am I going down the path that you're? Yeah, no, no, you're, you're exactly right. And they've, they've been through this trauma. So it's a really a result of victimhood. So this is that, that surface level belief that I believe we're all worth being remembered. We have these unique gifts. And that's actually a surface belief. The, the core belief of mine is that the reason that we exist in this molded clay body of ours uh, on this planet, that our intelligences or spirits or whatever you want to say entered this form was to gain experience as creators, right? It doesn't matter what religion you uh, ascribe to or study. Everyone that I've studied, and I've studied a lot of them, uh, they all have a similar belief. It doesn't, they don't word it the same way, but essentially we're here to learn and develop skills of creation. Across the, across the universe and across um, religions, that's kind of an objective is for us to learn and grow and progress. And a lot of people, uh, they, they can't deal with this binary choice. And it's a binary choice in my mind. You don't have to adopt it. But for me, it's there. I'm either creating, in which case I'm an actor, like I'm, I'm actively creating, or I am be cre being created upon, in which case I'm a victim. I can only be a victim and stuff happens to me, or I can choose to be acting and then whatever happens, happens, and I'm gonna make something of it. And so anytime that I believe that somebody else is doing something to me, um, it, in that event, I step into victimhood. Anytime I believe that there's something that somebody should have done or shouldn't have done, I'm stepping into victimhood. And for me, I just refuse to be a victim. I refuse to. So I've had some pretty tremendous things happen to me. And for a long time, before I learned this mentality and really programmed myself, I used to think that somebody else was bad and wrong. I deserved more. I deserved more love. I deserved more food. I deserved more better clothes. I deserved better transportation. I deserved to be able to go play sports. I deserved to have friends. I deserved to be loved, right? The truth is you don't deserve anything. You made a choice to come here as an intelligence and enter this experience to learn and grow. And every opportunity is thrown at you. Now, the cool thing is we all have different things that we need to gain out of this existence. And so all of our trials, quote unquote, in my, in my mindset are actually gifts and opportunities to grow. Now I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ um, as a concept and what that provides. Now I think it's the easiest um, narrative if we just use Christianity, because that's the one I'm most common uh, familiar with, but you could look at any religion and it's very similar. Okay. At the end of the day, there's positive and negative thoughts or positive and negative energy. There's a 
if we're going down to like the atomic structure of everything, you have a nucleus, a proton and a neutron. And when spinning in perfect orbit, that would be perfect. When you disrupt the orbit, then it's out of alignment. Okay. And so this concept of Christ, whether he existed or not, is kind of irrelevant in many cases, because um, if you believe in him and that you're saved by him, then you are. If you choose not to believe in him because you don't believe he saved you, then you're not. So did he change it all? Or was it what changed is what I believed about it? And if it, what changed is what I believed about it, then who holds the power of change? I do, not somebody else, right? And so this is my core belief that I'm a creator. Everything that happens in my life is an opportunity for me to grow, for me to be more compassionate, for me to be more understanding, for me to be more loving, for me to bring more of my misalignment energy, misaligned energy into alignment of a perfect loving creator. And so just like lifting weights, if you never had any resistance, if you're, if you never had any ways to lift, are you going to build any muscles? No, no. no. And so when, so Andrew, I'm going to, I'm going to, so you can understand my philosophy when people are gaslighting, when people are abusive, when people are dismissive, when people are neglectful, when people are cheating, when, whatever, whenever all, any of this stuff is happening, you have two ways to look at it. You can look at it from a victim perspective as like, this happened to me. Oh my gosh, I deserve better. Or you can look at it and say, hey, that was an interesting experience that my, my intelligence and my spirit went through. What can I learn from that? What, what did I need to get out of that experience? And, and, and be compassionate, because here's the thing. This, this is a very simple story, but it, like I've, I've seen this happen play out on bigger scales in my life and smaller scales. When I was 17 years old, I had like three best friends, like the best of friends. And randomly, they all started ignoring me. And it wasn't just ignoring me. I would like go to their house because they were my best friends. So I'd show up at their house. They would sneak out the back and drive away. They would see me in the grocery store and, and they would turn around and run away from me. And I was sitting there like, what the heck? What did I do? What, why, why do I deserve this? Right? So I was thinking about what I deserve. And I went on for about two weeks. We lived in a small town, maybe three or 4,000 people. So it wasn't like there was that many people anyways. <laughs> you know. So I see this and finally it clicks because I started asking rather than why is this happening to me? I started my, my question shift and said, what is this? How can I use this experience to bless others? Okay. What am I supposed to gain out of feeling abandoned? And when I started asking myself that question, what am I supposed to gain from this? Then I started making notes, started journaling about how I felt, how I could relate it to others. How could I benefit? How could I now be more empathetic to other people who have felt abandoned? And as soon as I shifted my perspective, all my friends came back to me. And I was like, it's weird. Just like I shifted my perspective and they come back to me. And, uh, but I, you know, cause I'm pretty bold. I was like, why did you abandon me? This is like stupid. You know, two weeks of ignoring my texts, running away from me, like really putting in effort to avoid me. And they said, we didn't like it either, but we felt like we needed to. Hmm. Okay. So this is what's interesting. The people who are providing that resistance for you, they don't like being the way they are. Go ask most narcissists. Do you like not having friends? No, they're angry all the time because nobody respects them. Nobody likes being around them. 
Go ask a cheater. Do you like being lonely and not having self-control? No. It's the worst thing. Go ask somebody who's habitually smoking and they, they're addicted to anything. Do they like it? No, you should never start because they, they don't like that they don't have control. But how grateful are you that somebody was willing to fulfill that role in your life so that you could experience and have compassion towards other people? You could relate to other people. This podcast, for instance, Andrew, had you never had that experience, you may not have ever been triggered to start this podcast. And then not only would you not have made multiple connections of people you've interviewed, but you would not have been a catalyst to get those people, myself included, to share their story with other people. We'd just be sitting here thinking my thoughts are how I think, and we'd go about our merry life. But I'm grateful that you had a negative experience that provided the catalyst for you to start a podcast. And I had some other experiences of people saying, hey, Sam, your story's unique. And they converged at the same time so that we could have, make this connection on the podcast. So for me, I just view life as divine orchestration. Well, I, this is great. I, 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 I'm making notes. While I was in this relationship, I, I had that victim mentality. I was thinking, why is this happening to me? And more importantly, I was questioning, why am I staying? Because every time I saw what I saw and I was being lied to and cheap, blah, 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 I would look the other way. And, and, and when it all blew up and it ended, I was still that victim. And it took me between therapy and by the way, I, you had mentioned um, smoking or something, you know, I'm, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So there is a negative experience that I turned around and now I have eight years sober. <clears throat> yeah so i turn the negative into a positive and so through my through my 12-step um support groups i i turned my victim mentality and i shifted my thinking and like you said i start I, this podcast would not have started without that negative experience so i um you're, you're right on you hit the nail on the head with that one um and I never thought of it that way until you just said that. So, okay, I'm sorry. I just wanted to. No, absolutely. I, I appreciate you sharing. I think that's a huge accomplishment. But this is the other part of life. So I'm going to share another story. When I was dating my wife, um, this is our third. So I'm going I'm to go through really briefly the first three dates of my wife and I. Um, and mind you, before I met my wife, I had been on dates probably 100 to 150 dates in the year and a half before I met my wife. During that time, first dates, okay? Not like, that means I went on dates with over 150 different girls. During that time period, I had four girlfriends, some for a month, some for six months. So I was really packing these dates in. Some days I was on a date in the morning, I was on a date at lunchtime and a date in the evening, three separate women, just like I was, I was focused on finding my, my spouse. Like that's, that was my objective. I didn't date really at all because I had heard and read enough stuff about uh, early young relationships and how it can screw with your mind and give you false perceptions of reality. And so uh, I didn't really date people until I was already 21, 22 years old. And I knew hey, I was going to be dating with the intention of marrying somebody. So you so were I, basically interviewing women for to be your wife. I, I wouldn't consider it interviewing, but here's something that's interesting is based on all of the research. Okay. And think of like Indians, and I, I mean India from India Indians. A large part of their culture, for for the majority of the 
the history, I mean, it's starting to change, but still pretty heavily there, was arranged marriages. You have these marriages that were arranged by matchmakers. It happened in Asian cultures. And they, they viewed marriage and duty and loyalty more important than physical attraction, sexual attraction, anything. And they still had children. They still had marriages that may, you might say, well, they're chauvinists, they're, they aren't respectful, they don't love each other, whatever. But here's, here's what I found in the research was that you grow to love somebody, okay? You don't just fall in love with somebody based off their physical appearances. Now you could might lust after them, you might long for them, you might be like, damn, she's hot. You're not really like falling in love with them. And you might find the person who's really not physically attractive to you at all, but over time as you get to see their spirit and their soul and the more you connect and the more compatible you are, you'll fall in love with that person. And soon you'll have only eyes for that person and people will look at you and like, what do you see in them? Like, dude, she's the hottest thing ever. She's amazing, right? Because you, you fell in love and you connected on a deeper level. And so because I knew that when I was dating, um, I wasn't dating for looks. And so this, this actually goes into our first date with my wife. We met on Facebook. Okay. So like we met online. Okay. Um, We were just a few different, few cities apart. So we weren't, uh, it wasn't long distance, but we were a few cities apart. And I knew at this point, kind of the dangers of, of online, as far as like, not everybody is who they say they are and people want to be safe and all that. So, um, I was kind of slow playing it. I just got out of a really long relationship that didn't work out. And so I was like, you know what, the next person I really want to court for a long time before I ask them to be my girlfriend. Okay. And my standard just this is just my standard based on the research that I did that um, I was not going to have any physical intimacy. And when I mean that, I mean, not even kissing, like I would hold their hand and hug them, but like no other physical intimacy um, until they were my girlfriend. And even then it was restricted to kissing and I wasn't going to have sex till after I married them. Right. That was my standard um, because of what I had learned about how to develop a meaningful relationship. And so, so this is where this starts. I, we decided to go meet at a third party location. And I said, let's just meet each other based off of what our Facebook profile pictures are. Cause if I can't recognize you off your Facebook profile, I'm not going to, it's not going right. to happen. Right. Okay. So, so I'm, I get there early. She's standing over there. She shows up in this red dress, red, like satin dress. And I see her and I walk up to her and I say, Hey, are you Charlie? And she says, yes. I say, wow, you suck at texting. <laughs> Okay. And she's, she's a, a real sharp girl. So she's like, well, sorry, my, my phone's not attached to my hand and you're just not a priority yet. Wow. And I was like, hey, I get that, wow. but it's really hard to get to know you if you don't communicate with me. And then she's like, oh, okay. So that's, mm-hmm. that was like literally our first physical interaction was that conversation. Then we go get in line. We, we're going to a, an orchestra concert and we're up there. She's, she's sitting off to my right and I've got my arm around her. I move pretty fast. So I got my arm around her and uh, I'm just staring down the side of her face. So she's looking over at the orchestra. I'm staring down the side of her face. She turns around. She's like, what, you know? And I'm like, are you wearing makeup? And I said, just like that. Are you wearing any makeup? And she's like, uh, I mean, you're, you're a 23 year old girl. How are you supposed to respond to that? This guy's like staring at your face. and like, are you wearing makeup? And she's like, uh, no, just some eyeliner and mascara. I said, wow you're beautiful. Right. So my delivery is awful. I'm just telling you like right now, delivery is awful. So then the, the concert ends and we're walking. And I, and the next question I ask is, Hey, let's just talk about all the things you hate about dating. 
let's just get it off. So for the next four hours, she unloads all of her negative experiences about dating. And then we're walking back to the car and she's, she's getting bold at this point. Cause now she's like, I can ask Sam anything. And he's just going to tell me what's on his mind for better or worse. So she's like, so are you a boobs or a butt guy? Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the first date guys. First date. I'm like, well, how honest do you want me to be? Now, if you knew my wife, she's, she's, she's got bigger boobs and no butt. Okay. So I was like, well, how honest do you want me to be? And she's like, well, just be honest. And I was like, well, honestly, um, I, I like a nice bubble butt and like size B boobs. Clearly that's not you. The opposite. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a good thing that looks are only 30% of this equation. She's like, what the heck does that mean? Right. Because it's not very uh, complimenting to say, yeah, I'm not like super physically attracted to you. No. But that's 30% of this. And then there's 70% that I actually like about you. Right. And it wasn't that I didn't like how she looked. She's beautiful. But, uh, and, and at this point in our relationship, seven years in, I like every part of her. But um, at that point, <laughs> I was, I didn't know. So we get to the car. And I was like, hey, thanks for, thanks for going on this date. I'd be devastated if you didn't let me take you out again. Wow. And so that's how our date started. Then the second date, she's had something to do. And I said, well, hey, can I come take you on a 15-minute date? I'm going to pick you up from where you're walking. You're going to walk from your one class of college to the next class. I'll come pick you up, and we'll spend the 15 minutes together, and then I'll drop you off, and you can do it, whatever. Well, that, that date turned into another three- or four-hour date. Um, where I broke another cardinal rule of like guessing her weight because we were going to go stargazing on top of our car and she was like, oh you know I'm worried about my weight and I said look it can't be more than 150 pounds Just, it's okay what you don't guess women's weight I was like I do so these are things that um, when we're asking like well how do you deal with gaslighting how do you find a, a relationship that's healthy how do you um, deal with communication. I believe in content communication, which means I'm going to take you at you, your word and I'm going to erase the, the, the tones behind it. I'm not going to pretend that you're, you're being rude. I'm going to say whatever you're, you're saying. And I'm going to take you literally. And out of all the research I did, that was my best way. So a gaslighter is going to say something. It's all your fault, right? Something like that. Oh, th this is your fault. This happened. Okay. It's my fault. Explain to me how it's my fault. Give me an example. And if they can't give you an example, then that's a sign that they're full of shit. Like that they just don't want to take accountability. Okay. A narcissist is going to be like using emotional leverage on you. They're going to be saying, well, if you don't do this, then I'm going to do this. They're, they're going to do those ultimatum things all the time. Well, why don't we just get divorced? I'll tell you what, the first time my wife says that to me, I'll file the paperwork because, and she knows that I told her that very quickly. Like you don't play games. Anytime you're dealing with ultimatums, there's uh, there's bigger things at play. So those are really good signs. If you're dealing with somebody who's dealing with that, I'm gonna, and I'm going to give you an example that wasn't that extreme, but this is how my mind works and how it worked when I went into the dating process. On our third date, we went mountain biking up a mountain in Utah. And I've been mountain biking lots of times up this specific trail. This is the first time she'd been mountain biking in two years. So she was going a little slower. She was in first, uh, like uh, she was in front of me and I was in back. Imagine you're a little bird 
in the forest, watching down on these two people riding their bikes up the hill. And she's gassed, like she's so tired. Uh, we're about 10 minutes into the bike ride. And so she calls behind and says, hey, you can go ahead of me and meet me at the top of the mountain. I'll, I'll just catch up, okay? And immediately I heard that and she didn't say anything bad. She had no mean intentions by it. But I stopped my bike and I was like, what did you just say? Is that the type of relationship you're looking for? That you're just going to run ahead when you're doing well, or you expect me to run ahead and ditch you when I'm doing well, but we're not going to be there for each other when we're struggling. Because if that's the type of relationship you're looking for, I'm not interested. We could turn around. I'm sure you're going to make somebody very happy. It's just not me, right? So this goes back to the first thing, one of the first things I said, you can only love yourself as, sorry, you can only love somebody else as much as you love yourself. I knew who I was and I knew what I was looking for. And because I knew who I was and I knew what I was looking for, it made it very easy to weed out relationships that didn't align with what I was looking for. Most people haven't ever spent the time to identify their own identity. They haven't spent the time to investigate themselves. They've been bouncing from one codependent relationship to another. And maybe your relationship is not with another person. For you, it might have been alcohol. And then when it shifted from alcohol, what else did the codependency go to? Women. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you're bouncing from one codependency to the next. Did you ever really solve the issue of codependency or did you just change the drug? Mm-hmm. And that's, not, that's not to be negative towards you, Andrew. Like, no, I, love you, I, you know? I own it. No, I own it. But that's part of, this is part of the process. And so many people, they look at the surface thing and they try and solve the surface thing with a bandaid and they never look deeper. And so when I heard my wife at the girlfriend at the time say, Oh, well, you can go ahead. I was like, wait, the way you do one thing in your life is the way you do everything. And I'm not interested in that type of relationship. And she was so taken off guard. She's like, oh, that's not what I meant at all. I was like, well, I'm, I'm sorry. Like either, either you're going to change your belief about that and you're going to start acting differently or we're not going to be a good fit. And she's like, well, I, I think I can change. And I said, like, okay, well, I'm, I'm fine learning and growing. Right? I don't expect everybody to be perfect. God knows I've got a lot of mistakes and I've got a lot of growth to do. And then that was the next conversation was, look, the person you're going to marry is not going to be the same person you're with in three years, five years, 10 years, definitely not 30 years, because one of my core principles is that I want to always be growing and always be changing. And some people get into relationships expecting their spouse to remain constant, to remain static, to never grow, to never become more. And then when those spouses choose to grow, choose to, to actually become a different person, they're like, well, you're screwing up our relationship because you're changing. And, you know, that's an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate thing that that wasn't discussed before they got married. Yeah. I have said this to several past guests that I've had on, where were you a year and a half ago when I needed you? Because a lot, <laughs> a lot of what you're saying uh, again, is resonating, and I'm thinking about conversations that I had with my ex, especially for so the bicycle the conversation. I remember she saying I said something to her, and she said something in return. Um, I, I've said it on this podcast many times, but I called her out on something that I was not comfortable with, and her response to me was, "If you don't like it, there's plenty of men waiting to take your place," and. Uh, that took me back. And of course, what did I do? I, I 
I should have done what you did. Well, this is not the type of relationship that I want to be in. If that's your, if that's your belief system, but I, I, I shriveled and I was like, Oh no, no, I'm sorry. I take back what I, so, you know, I, um, a victim mentality, you know, or. Yeah. And, and it's not to, to be frank, it's not the self-respect that you have, right? She doesn't have self-respect probably either, but it's because that she can, uh, I don't know this person at all. I, I've witnessed personalities and it's not specifically about sexual natures. It's about a lot of things. But when people feel like they have to overcompensate in one area and that overcompensate, uh, overcompensation gets them a lot of attention, that they feel like they can own whoever, they, they can always get what they need because they have enough skills of persuasion. They're, they're masking an, a, a similar dislike for themselves. Yeah. They're masking... <clears throat> through whatever it is that they're offering to the world, the same as the person who is masking that they, they're going to shrivel because they don't feel like they deserve any better. It's the same thing. Well, look, I don't deserve any better than somebody who is going to just let me walk over them. Right. Because the moment somebody tries to check me, then I'm going to crumble. And that's a protection mechanism from yeah. them being taken advantage of yeah, in their earlier years, now they're saying, look, nobody's ever going to take advantage of me. I'm going to take advantage of other people. If the game is somebody taking advantage of each other, I'm going to be the one to take advantage first so that I don't ever get hurt. Right. That's just the game, right? I'm yeah. going to hurt somebody else before I, but that takes a lot. I said, you, you bury your, your gifts. The gift of being able to take advantage, that's a gift, right? Being able to manipulate, not everybody has the gift, that's but the skill thing is, the difference between manipulation and, and influence is so slight, right? The difference is what's the intention behind it, right? Because when you get into gaslighting and brainwashing and this kind of stuff, I'm a big proponent of it. I think everybody should gaslight themselves. In fact, I'll give you the formula. I wrote a journal about it. I give talks about it. Gaslighting yourself is probably the best thing you can do because we operate from a perspective of our reality. What does that look like, gaslighting ourselves? So, well, what does it look like when somebody else gaslights you? Because well, it's better if you discover the answer than if I tell it to you flat out. So, okay. Gaslighting is I'm being presented something and I don't agree that what I'm seeing is real or and, and I'm being told that I'm either crazy or paranoid or that's not... what. Uh, there's different forms of gaslighting, but I'm being told that what what's being presented to me is real, and I don't think it is. And um, or the the conversation that I'm having, I believe, is being this. It's a deceiving conversation, and I know it's a lie, but I'm think that I'm I'm not sure of myself. You know, you 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 start thinking maybe maybe it is me. Maybe I'm not seeing sure. correctly. I think I think gaslighting has a negative connotation, but when you look at what's factually happening in a gaslighting scenario, there's there's factual things that happened. There there's there's reality, and as we're going to call it, but I'm just going to call it facts rather than reality because I believe that part of this process is creating our own reality. Okay, so there's the facts that what happened. Let's say um, you're you're uh, you walk by the, the counter, both you and your wife walk by the counter and there's a glass of water on the counter. 
and she is closest to the counter, you're farthest away from the counter. Her purse bumps the bottle of water, it falls on the ground. Okay. Okay. And she turns around and says, you dumped the water on the ground. It's your fault. Now, what factually happened was her purse brushed it and it fell on the ground. But because lack of accountability or whatever, then the, the, the gaslighter starts to tell the gaslightee, the person who's being gaslit, that it's their fault that the water fell be, for whatever reason. Even if it's like, well, you, you were pushing me into the counter, so it dropped, so it's your fault, whatever. Whatever story they can tell. But this is the key thing. It's all about the narrative we tell ourselves. It has nothing to do with reality. It's all about the narrative we tell ourselves. The problem is that if we live in just our reality, things will never get better because our reality is what currently is. The fact that you're able to gaslight and able to create and convince other people of a reality that nobody else can see, think of the person who discovered the radio and said, look, if we put these things in these areas, you can hear voices transmitted through air. Everybody thought he was crazy. They sent him to the loony bin because like they literally put him in the insane asylum because they thought he was crazy. Was he crazy? Was he trying to gaslight people? Or no. did he see something that wasn't yet there yeah. that nobody else understood? Okay, what about um, Bill Gates? We're gonna have a computer in everybody's house. There's no way, everybody thought he was crazy. And now we have it, okay? What about we're gonna go put somebody on the moon? No way, no, it happened, okay? Mm. What about self-driving cars? No way, we're driving horses and buggies. What are you talking about these cars? No, now we have self-driving cars, okay? The, the, the gift of gaslighting is actually a gift of being a visionary. The problem is that when people use the, the gift of being a visionary to create negative malicious visions for people okay. and malicious okay. realities rather than positive realities. So how does that get into the conversation of gaslighting myself? I don't love my reality. My reality, it's a good reality. It's not a bad reality, but I dream of something better. I dream of having a bigger impact. I dream of serving and loving more people. And so I have to gaslight myself every day that what I'm seeing is not true, that my identity is higher than what I'm currently experiencing. And if I can't convince myself that I have more potential inside of me than what I'm currently experiencing, then I will be doomed to my current state of existence and I'll never be able to grow. So the ability of gaslighting yourself, I think, is really, really valuable especially when we're dealing with trauma. I talked about this on a video that I did on my Facebook Live um, on April 18th, it, that we, we view life through lenses, okay? And when we're viewing life through, we're, I'm gonna use just like old 3D technology, right? Where you have a red lens, blue lens, and then you have a picture, a picture that has red, blue, and black on it, okay? When we're viewing life through just a red lens, then we only get to see the blue and black pictures. We don't get to see all the red. Yeah, build it out. If we do the other one, we only get to see the other picture. So here's the deal. If we are experiencing life through a red lens that we don't like, I'm using red just because whatever. If we're experiencing life through a lens we don't like, do that, does what's on the page have to change or do we need to change the lens in which we view what's on the page? Interesting. We have to change the lens. And so as we shift the lens, then we see a completely different picture about the same facts. Our reality changed, which means our trauma changed. All the things that we previously saw as hurtful, heart, 
uh, shameful, guilty, anything. All of those things that we used to see that disqualified us from being incredible, for being our best self, for, for being the God's gift to the world, all of the things that we thought used to disqualify us, when we change our perspective, those are actually the things that qualify us. Your addiction to alcohol, for, for as long as it was, that was the thing that maybe disqualified you from a certain aspects of life. But once yeah. you got a hold of it, that's the thing that qualifies you to help the next person get away from it. And so actual, your, your disqualification was your qualification. And that's not just with alcoholism, it's with everything in life. Yeah. You, you, um, you, you're opening up uh, the proverbial can of worms for me. I, I have so many questions, um, um, that I, I'm writing these down. Um, we, we have to wrap it up in a few minutes we i i would like to have you back and and explore sure. some other um there, there are areas that we didn't touch upon and and this because of time constraints um i i want to talk about uh you you said something in the beginning that i i challenged a while ago about self-love and you you said that if you, if you don't love yourself you can't love somebody else or you didn't say quite that way you said you only can love somebody as much as you love yourself i think that's what you said yep. right okay uh, that i believe um the theory that you can't fully love somebody unless you fully love yourself first that i don't believe but i i think the way you said it was you will love that person only as much as you love yourself and i'd like to explore that a little further with you um maybe we'll we'll have you back sure. um sam i know you have other areas um your career this is not your career you have another career um uh, it, i i can put if you'd like just for coming on the show I, I would like to put in the show notes where people can contact you and and sure. what you do for for your career um but in, in is there anything in, in for this episode parting thoughts or advice or Something you might not have been able to get out in, in a couple of minutes you want to share with us? Uh, well, let's just touch on that for a second as far as the, the career aspect. I'm hopefully what I shared gave you some dip, depth into my thoughts. If you go to my website, samnickerbacher.com, uh, then and click on Fuel Your Legacy. One, you can always uh, get in touch with my podcast. I interview business owners and, and people who are dedicated to creating a meaningful legacy. Um, so I interview them there. You can listen to my podcast. You can also download my book, The Nine Pillars of a Meaningful Legacy, right? How to build a meaningful legacy and how to reframe your mind in a positive way. Now, the, the first two questions that pop up on my website, uh, there's a statement that I believe you're all worth being remembered, which is what I opened up with here. The next question is, what impact do you want to leave on the world? Okay. Most people haven't thought about that. They're getting into relationships of all sorts, business relationships, family relationships, marriages, friends yep. that they haven't thought about what do I actually want to be when I like what impact what what kind of thing do I want to propagate so that's the first thing is what what impact do I want to have the second one is what do you need more of to make that impact and that really leads into my career my career as a legacy expert is helping you get more of what you need to live the life that you're going to be proud of and most people that comes down to time and resources or time and money right my job or my career is to help you get more time and get more resources 
so that you can be more confidently living your true purpose and be proud of how you're going to be remembered. So that's what I do for a career. Uh, if you're interested on the very last page and contact on my website, you're more than welcome to go and schedule a time with me. And if you just want to work through some of your, your thoughts, I'm like, I don't even charge. I'm happy to sit down and walk through some of your thoughts with you. Um, Cause I feel uplifted when I get to connect with people. I feel uplifted when I'm able to become one with somebody in mind and really move the needle to help them receive more happiness and joy and love in their life. Sam, you have shifted my thinking um, some for, some more. Each episode that I do with somebody, I, I learn more and more and more about how my thinking was a year ago or six months ago when the relationship ended. And this is my the purpose of my podcast is to get out there because I can't be alone. There's got to be a plethora of people out there that are thinking like I am, that victim mentality. And I'm no longer thinking that way. And I I, I truly want to uh, uh, thank you, um, graciously thank you to, for coming on. And, and like at the beginning, I said, I don't know where this is going. And I am so happy it went where it went because I, I took so many notes and um, you are a fantastic um, communicator. And I think that you 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 really got across. You you shifted my thinking. I will put in the show notes. Um, I think in one of your emails, somebody I, I don't know yeah. if you have an assistant or it's a AI or something, but they gave me all the information. I'll put all that in the show notes. And let's stay in touch. And sure. let's, I'll have you back. And folks, um, I, I can tell you that you you heard what I heard. Um, this man has a very interesting perspective on life and America's legacy expert. And now I know what that means. Okay. So yes. Sam, thank you so much for coming on and um, we'll be in touch. I, I, I have so many, so many more questions for you and I'd like to have you back someday. So sure. All right. Thank you so much. And yeah, no problem. we'll talk soon. Okay. Yep.